There she is. Hello. Gary. Yay. Are we live? We are live. I've been that- trying to entertain people for 10 minutes and doing a bad job, but thanks doing stand to up? Uh, Herman and Omara 67. We, uh, they're making me feel like I'm not totally screwing this up, even though we both know. You're uh, not screwing this up. It's pretty, it's pretty bad to just have me standing in front of the camera. Come on. You, it, you're fine. <laughs> Uh, hi, hi, Mar. I'm sorry, you guys. I have the worst computer in the world. It's literally on its last legs, and it decides to reboot itself all the time at the most inopportune moments, and then it takes forever to get it back open. Um, but uh, did Carter tell you what happened earlier today? Yes, I apologized for not pressing the record button. <laughs> so okay, so we did a whole show, and I think it was one of the best ones we've ever done. It was and the no- best show that's ever been. <laughs> Of shows anywhere and you'll never see it how's that <laughs> it's actually it's like uh uh this friend of mine was telling me that um waylon jennings according to waylon jennings roger miller you know the roger miller trailers for sale or rent that guy king of no. the road you know the song king of the road king of the road that guy oh gosh okay anyway roger miller apparently used to just sit around while they were hanging out and just write songs like off the cuff and just sing them and then forget them and never write them down. And no one ever got to hear his genius. And I feel like we were just doing a little Roger Miller this morning. Yes, that's whatever you just said. We cured (laughs) cancer and we solved world peace and we did it in the most entertaining way possible. (laughs) But I forgot it all since then. Carrie, um, I, now that you're here, we should actually dive into having a conversation. Let, for people that have just joined, though, as Herman pointed out, people do kind of stroll into live, to live streams later. So um, we are skipping Deprogrammed this week because I screwed up this morning in our Kofefi and didn't press record. So we're going to do Kofefi live now, which is normally the Deprogrammed time. We're just going to skip Deprogrammed this week because we have a lot of content um, either in the queue or or out like we have a, an interview with Gina Gorland out you can go check out hopefully I'm going to release something else tonight uh, that's in the, in the editing phase and then we have another thing in the editing phase so we have some other content and we figured we'd just skip deprogrammed and we'll do deprogrammed next week um, all right so Carrie what we were talking about earlier, we're gonna, I, we can't try and reproduce the show. Let's no, just, we'll, let's just talk about what we talked about. That's so. So, the, so what I wanted to talk about was I've been bothered by, obviously there's the whole media narrative thing, but the cathedral seems to be getting more and more agitated and using more agitprop, just like pushing pushing narratives more. And, and I realized just in the past couple of days, there's been a lot of things that really strike me as... Uh, obvious and and bad signs of some of the we'll say lunacy or i, I don't want to say lunacy because that that discredits it and makes it sound like it's just randomly insane like evil pernicious behavior of the cathedral and so we'll just walk through a couple of these and we can talk about each one uh okay the dayton shooter Let's let's start with the Dayton shooter. Now we know that. Well, maybe we should even start with the El Paso one, right? We know that the El Paso the El Paso guy, 
Uh, whoa, point of personal privilege. I'm sorry, we have to interrupt. This is the first super chat. <laughs> uh, yes, point of personal privilege. Would you like us to not use pronouns, Herman? What's your, go ahead and state your, state your thing. <laughs> I will happily interrupt for the first super chat that we ever received. Uh, what, explain what is happening to people who are just listening. Cause I, this is, I've never seen this before, except on big channels. Somebody just gave us $2. <laughs> I, turned, I turned on super chat last night just to see what would happen. No gendered language for five minutes. <laughs> no, we'll, I'll, try, I'll try and do that, sweetheart. Uh, no, I'll try. We'll try and do no gendered language for five minutes. We're so cheap. I'm. We're. I'm literally. We're prostituting our. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Okay. Thank you. You. You win the prize. Uh, I think you actually are. I know who you are. So I think you actually are a subscribe star subscriber, but you'll you'll get a mug even if you're not apostate level. I'll, we'll send you a mug uh, for being the first super chatter. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> without gendered language, here we go. So we know about the El Paso shooter. Uh, we know that the media has been saying this is a right-wing extremist El Paso shooter. And they've been, and the way that they tie this to right-wing extremism is they, there are elements of, of kind of white nationalism stuff in his manifesto, but he specifically pointed to the New Zealand manifesto as well, the New Zealand shooters manifesto. And if you wanted to tie it to other things, for example, you could tie it to environmentalism because he's a, uh, in some way, kind of like an eco-fascist. Uh, you could tie it to socialism. There's a lot of uh, like socialist language and ideology in there as well. In addition to the, the racism, white nationalist stuff, all of that is part of the ideology. And is it is it coherent? No. These are ravings of someone who went and shot people, probably not the most stable mind in the world. So no, it's not coherent, but all those elements are in there. And of course, you could pick on any one of those elements and be quiet about the other ones if you had an agenda, which is what the mainstream media does. They pick on the right, the quote, right wing, white nationalist, racist part of it. And not only do they do that without mentioning anything else, and, and, and that can be kind of forgiven because I think that's a particularly vile part of, of the agenda there or his, his manifesto. But then they tie it to Trump in a, in like the weakest possible ways, right? So the, he used a vocabulary word that Trump used in a different context about a different thing. So one of the words they were excited about was the word infestation, which Trump used talking about rats in Baltimore. But of course, he used the same vocabulary word. Therefore, uh, Trump is responsible for this. So in that context, that's what's going on with the El Paso shooter. In that context, I was thinking about what was going on with the Dayton Shooter. Now, Carrie, you know Andy No from, uh, I guess he he reports maybe for Colette and Breitbart, maybe. I don't I don't know where he writes. He writes a lot of, I see him in the New York Post, actually. I don't know where else he writes. Uh, Andy, Andy's the guy that a few weeks ago got beat up in Portland for covering Antifa. And I think actually ended up with brain damage or something, or, you know, injury, brain injury, not damage. So Andy... A while ago, wrote an article about, hey, there's a lot of these blue check marks on Twitter. Journal activists, you know, journalism quotes journalists who are actually activists, who are really supporting Antifa and this violence, and they're really 
They're shills for Antifa, basically. And he wrote this big article about it, and everyone got mad at him for it. Everyone in the cathedral got mad, mad at him for it and called him a right-wing crazy person. Um, which, as Kerry points out, Kerry, how does he stack up in the intersectionality measure, Andy? Oh, well, the thing about Andy, which is funny, is that he checks off at some of their marginalized boxes. So normally he would be one of their revered, protected people. He's gay, he's Asian, but he is a wrong thinker. So, um, so yes. Gay so, but what did he? What did he say? What did the? Um, what does this have to do with the shooter? Well, so so Andy had done this. Right? This is this is just context, right? right? And Andy's now pointing out a few things about this shooter in Dayton, which are being which is being largely ignored. Which are one. The shooter was an ardent support, supporter of Elizabeth Warren. Um, there's a there's a tweet where where Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris are together, and the shooter is like, and someone suggested they should be co-president, and the shooter is like, yeah, maybe, except for not for Kamala because she's a cop, but I'm all about Elizabeth Warren. So like, clearly an Elizabeth Warren supporter. And Andy points out that he goes through this guy's Twitter, which is has been deleted. Oh damn, guy is probably. Uh, it's gendered, but he is actually male. I don't know if that counts, Herman. Um, anyway, Andy goes through this guy's Twitter and and points out, hey, he's he's following and supporting and retweeting and liking things from Antifa, um, Antifash Gordian, who's the guy who doxes people, um, a couple of these other people, a, a lot of blue checkmarked accounts. But what's really like, gross, yeah, is these journalists that he journalists that he was retweeting. Like a lot of these blue checkmark uh, reporters, you know, he they've they've been deleting, purging their tweets. Anything that the Dayton shooter retweeted of theirs, they've been deleting it. Right. So he went through and he listed. So the one that specifically who was caught doing that is Gerald Jared Holt, right? So he's one of these people that Jared. So Gerald Jared Holt, Emily Grasinski, Cody Johnston, uh, Eli Valley, Kim Kelly, all these people, and Andy points out, hey. They're actually, a lot of these people are the people that were in the article I wrote a few months ago, uh, explicitly supporting Antifa, by the way. These were, look, they're the same names. And this shooter was following, liking, retweeting, and supporting these people. And you could pretty easily argue inspired by these people. And as Carrie, as you just mentioned, they're kind of stealthily going through and deleting. Which is just gross. Just like, let it stand. You're supposed to be in journalism. Like, you're they're they're trying to I don't know they're just trying to skew reality. Yeah, and well, in our in our first version of the show, you brought up the wrong the uh, the um, Bernie supporter who was shooting people too, right? Oh well, yeah. I mean, well, just their narrative of trying to trying to tie this back to people. They have a double standard because, yeah, everybody's already forgotten about that guy who went to the baseball field specifically to shoot Republicans who was a Bernie supporter and they, nobody, none of these people in the cathedral, like none of these journalists or, um, or politicians are trying to say that that's Bernie Sanders fault. The way that they're trying to tie the El Paso shooter to Trump, I think is despicable. Yeah. And we'll go through some examples, but they don't even bother when it's overt and it's like Bernie, the guy's doing it for Bernie in the name of Bernie against Republicans. We just kind of don't, they only highlight certain so so the other thing is they're focusing on the el paso one right now because that fits the narrative they're trying to sell us which is they're trying to sell this lie that white nationalism is is a a huge problem in this country which it's not (laughs) 
I mean, the number of white nationalists is, is a fraction of a percent. It is growing, however, and they're growing it. They're the ones growing it. Yeah. They're That's growing what's it. crazy. You, they're trying to create this boogeyman that doesn't exist. They're creating it. They're bringing it out of the ether. And, uh, but, but yeah, they're trying to, it, it fits the narrative they want us to believe. So they're talking about it Well, they're not going to talk about Dayton because that doesn't fit the narrative. Just like they didn't talk about that school shooting that happened a few months ago. And it was a trans kid who did it. And that, that doesn't, news right away. As soon as it was a trans kid, it was gone from the news. Yeah. It was an SJW. It was two kids, SJW guy and a, and a trans kid, a, a biological woman who has become a boy or biological girls become a boy. They just, everybody just dropped that one into the memory hole because so, so they try and make us, uh, they try and, and create this hysteria. And if something fits the hysteria they're selling us, then they'll talk about it. And, and so then everybody's running around like, oh, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. These mass shoot. It's only an epidemic when they, when, when it's one that they want to highlight and they want to throw attention to, they completely control this epidemic in this hysteria. If they don't want us to talk about it, memory hole. Exactly. By the way, Carrie, we uh, Westy forty just threw us ten bucks in the super chat. What? So like, is this a thing? At- Woohoo! This, uh, this, is, this is Mike, <laughs> Mike Liberty CA from Twitter, uh, who I really like, uh, oh, and yeah, he's on Twitter interacting with us a lot. So thank you, Mike. If there's something you want us to talk about, please tell us. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, uh, okay, so. So that's one thing that I noticed. This is just one thing that I noticed. I've got a list of these. I just want to walk through them, Carrie. Okay. So this is the one thing. This is how they're treating the Dayton shooter. Next, I'm sure you guys saw this. Let me see if I can actually, it's easier to pull this stuff up when I'm, uh, when we're, we're doing a taped show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and pull it up. It'll just be awkward and slow. Hold on for a second. So have you seen this thing? So Mitch McConnell, I guess with some context here, Mitch McConnell is is has raised the ire of leftists because he has not um, allowed there to be a vote on some gun control legislation that they want in the wake of these these disasters and or these these tragedies. And by the way, uh, one side note is <laughs> I don't know if you guys. I mean, you don't have to be that old to notice this pattern. The left gets something like they expand government in some way. That kind of settles out. We all get used to it. And then a few years later, they want to expand more. And they're like, well, we already do X. So why not do X plus one? And everyone's like, okay, yeah, X plus one. That's reasonable. It's just a reasonable thing from X. It's just an increment. And then, you know, five years later, we already do. The new X is now X plus one. That's been like, we're now the next iteration. We already do X. How about X plus one? So anyway, that's what they're angry about with Mitch. He's not bringing this. He's not allowing this vote to come up the floor. And so protesters, I won't play this video, but protesters went to Mitch's house and made death threats against him and his family, like yelling, protesting, inciting violence against Mitch McConnell. And so Mitch's Twitter account, Team Mitch, along with a reporter from the Daily Caller, uh, or Daily Wire, I think, uh, tweeted this out and said, hey, look at what's happening. Look what's happening to Mitch. These people are, are inciting violence. They're, they're threatening him with violence. <clears throat> what do you think Twitter's response was? Harry, do you think, think Twitter 
saw those tweets and said, oh my, oh my God, let's go find the accounts of these people that are doing this because we're against violence. Uh, no, just, just show us what they did. Twitter suspends team Mitch and Ryan <laughs> Saavedra for exposing the threats against Mitch McConnell. So I, I won't read this whole article, but um, Ryan talks about it here. Twitter asked me yesterday to delete the tweet <laughs> that shows that there was violent threats against Mitch. They also, I, you know, again, we don't read the whole article. They also deleted, they also suspended. So he got suspended and so did Mitch McConnell's Twitter, not his personal one, but the team, team Mitch's Twitter account uh, got suspended. Meanwhile, Massacre Moscow Mitch is trending on Twitter. So I just, I just, these people on have, on they, they have no personal insight they have no person they're such hypocrites i don't it's like you are the monster that you think you're fighting you are the person standing outside of a of a politician's house that you don't like and threatening them with violence like you are the ones <laughs> you are the scary people <laughs> like it, it it just kind of blows my mind because they I don't know how blind and you have publishing to these videos is news this is what the news should do news yes. should say hey here's some news crazy people are at a representative's house threatening violence against him over a policy they don't like. Well, Twitter's okay with threats. They're, I mean, they're okay with threats as long as it's from the left to the right. But they're not okay with you exposing the threats. No. And that's, that is, I mean, that I guess says everything that you need to know <laughs> about, about Twitter. But <clears throat> fear not, Carrie. Let's, so that's another example of what the cathedral has been up to. And then I made the mistake of, I made the mistake of watching some MSNBC, which I don't normally do. Uh, I don't know if anyone watches MSNBC. Let me see. Let me see if I can pull this up here. So we watched this earlier. Yeah. So when we first did this, I, it was my first time seeing some of these clips and I was outrage this is why i we we don't i don't watch this crap because <laughs> because i would just be like constantly it would still be pulling my strings maybe not in the way they want but it would be pulling my strings and i'd be walking around like a little outrage ball every day <laughs> but yeah. let's let's just just let's just watch okay a couple of uh it's not going to be as beautifully edited as when we do it normally but so i might have to skip around in the video but here we go this is on msnbc rapist when he came down the escalator that was day one then it escalated into attacks on latino journalists it escalated into attacks on the, the so-called as in his words the mexican judge then he ramped judge it up again yeah. to the invasion the warning people of the caravan and words like infestation what do you do with an infestation with an infestation the natural lot the conclusion is to attempt an extermination so to me there's very little distinction between his inciting this violence and the fact that it is now happening because I, I sad to say it's probably inevitable. He knows what he's doing. This resonates with a portion of his base. And he has succeeded, unfortunately, in turning the virtually the entire conversation about Latinos in the United States to to hinge on illegal immigration, undocumented people and this pur purported threat that Latinos. Pose no, to the no, pause it, pause it. No, this guy is lying. You have done this. You journalists have done this. You've right. made the whole conversation about Latino Americans about the, you've this is not what Trump is doing. That is what you are doing. You're conf right. you're conflating 
you're conflating illegal immigrants with legal immigrants. You're also conflating all Latinos with immigrants. Like with first, first you mean that all Latinos are, are against Trump. And they're like, not. And their numbers of, that support him are growing. And that is not all that he talks about when it comes to Latino Americans. You just don't cover anything else. That's what you have done. You have made it about that. I, yeah. Thank you for being angry again, Carrie. Sorry. But, but don't worry. It gets better because, hey, look, this is just a guest. MSNBC, they could have a crazy guest on, right? The host, don't worry. The host will, will reel that rhetoric back in. The host will make it all better. Don't worry, Carrie. Just watch. You never, we never hear in this country very rarely about Latinos in education, Latino views on health care. That's your fault. It's solely around immigration, and that's due in large part to him. And in that sense, very tragically, he has succeeded. What, what, what do you do when certainly the, the last Republican president fought for, sought, and, and, and it's, it's not ideal, but had 44% of right. Latino voters. It was a, so, so politically powerful in, in, inside the last Republican administration. President Obama used the power of the presidency mm-hmm. to try to pass comprehensive immigration reform with the Latino community, Latino leaders at the table. You now have a president, as you said, talking about exterminating right. Latinos. It's, it's, it's- did you catch that? What? You yeah. now have a president who is talking about exterminating Latinos. He never said that. What are you talking no. about? I don't know where there is such a president, but this is the news. This, this is, is the, the news. That what they're doing is so irresponsible. And, and there are people who, who just who walk away and believe this stuff. They still believe. They repeat it like it's truth that he said that white nationalists are very fine people. He never said that. And he can say repeatedly in in context when you read his remarks, he said repeatedly, I'm not talking about white nationalists. And they will still say he said the opposite. And this exterminate, he never said, what are you talking about? And, and by the way, her and the way she's talking about Obama's crazy, too. Obama wasn't she's talking about him like he was a saint and like as if the left agreed with him on immigration. No, they didn't. I was in a I was in an immigrant rights group. We went down to the border. I went to deportation hearings. We were the people who were in that movement and fighting for immigration reform. They called Obama deporter in chief. He deported more people in in the first four years than George W. did in all eight. Something crazy like that. Like he was not. What, whatever she's selling is is just it's not a truth. Absolutely, it's not truth. Um, and and yeah, someone points out in the chat, he was using the word infested in relation to rodents in Baltimore, which actually is a problem. So, but they just take it to mean like first it was like oh he meant black people in Baltimore, which he didn't obviously, and then they just were like I, I guess now all people of color are the same. So now infested, he was referring to. Latinos? I, I don't I don't know, but but don't worry, Carrie. <laughs> this person, so that was that was Nicole, what's her name? Nicole Wallace, I think. Yeah. So, but uh Mika Brzezinski, I also mistakenly watched part of Morning Joe. Uh, <gasps> and I guess the Mika person is on Morning Joe. I never watch this crap, and I'm I'm glad that I don't normally. Uh <clears throat> by the way, Omara 67, you can point out I said crap, not anything worse. Uh, so I, I, uh, I never watched this, but let's see what, what she has to say about Trump. Cause this, this is also good. Wait, is this the one with the two? Will you pause it just at the beginning? I just want to see the still shot of them. Okay, this, is, look, this is the still shot. Yeah. Look at the guy on the right. 
he he he's a walking NPC meme. You don't even have to put the NPC face over him. <laughs> he yeah. just That's Joe Scarborough, by the way. <laughs> he just already looks like he is he an NPC. Like, Absolutely, he looks, he looks like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. These are these people are midwits who are used to being taken seriously, and they don't really understand why is no one listening to me anymore. It's like we we see through you now. Okay, but let's let's see what what Mika says. I'm sure she's gonna say something more rational because it can't be the whole network that's crazy, right? That's the question, Shell, and I'll ask you. Isn't it okay to deduce that at this point, this is what he wants? He is inside. Just to be clear, they're talking about he is Trump and what he wants. They're talking about mass shootings. Hatred, inciting violence, inciting racism. If he doesn't unequivocally call it off and say this is wrong and we stand together against this and we are doing this, this and this to help fight hate crime. I mean, this is a president who seems to want these things to happen. How else can can this be explained? How else? How um, else? How else? Can be explained? How else? This is this this is really repulsive though what they're doing. It, it it's repulsive, it's irresponsible. I can't they, they get paid to go on television and talk about no, not it. Long, not if we stop watching, but yes. But talk about talk about incitement. It's absolutely incitement. And uh, it's it's also just, it's just not true. It's just, it's just bull crap. I mean, it's just, it's just made up. Hey, so, this is what he wants. He wants mass shootings. If he doesn't unequivocally, he already did unequivocally. What are you talking about? It has nothing to do with him. I, I know I'm just, I'm, I'm frustrated. And I'm not the most articulate when I'm frustrated, but, but I do want to make this point. What they have done is they've they've tried to conflate like any any person on the right, any conservative, whether or not they voted for Trump, they're just lumping them all in together anyway. All Trump voters, whether or not all Trump voters are on the right, all of them aren't. They're putting all these people into a category and calling them Nazis and trying to lay at their feet, lay like these people are murderers. This is what they want. They want murder. They want shootings. They want, they're taking the death of people and they're exploiting it and trying, they're trying to use it to make it okay to target this group of people now. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to be out there saying the president wants this, uh, I mean, that's, it's, it is like saying he's literally Hitler, right? The, pre- the president is, the president wants this and, and there's no other explanation. What other explanation could there be? Right. And Carrie, I hate to say, I hate to say it gets better because my favorite thing, the last clip I think I'm going to play. You mean worse? Well, better if it's a, if it's a spectacle and you recognize it as clown world. Okay. <laughs> it gets better. They, this guy, he, he's like the former assistant director for counterintelligence from the FBI or whatever. Um, so some, you know, middle manager who got pretty far, but is basically also a midwit and trying to take the lessons he learned elsewhere and apply them in a 
pretty weak homeopathic way to stuff that's not actually happening in front of him and, you know, gets a career out of it because he gets to be on, again, <clears throat> MSNBC. But he uses numerology. <laughs> he uses numerology. Now he'll say like, oh, wow. Uh, I don't, well, hey, I don't want to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to imply what I'm about to exactly say, but I'm just saying it. Here we go. This is great. I love it. It's my favorite craziness thing uh, this week. There's, I'm sure there'll be more next week. Ready? Matters. The president said that we will fly our flags at half mast until August 8th. That's 8 8. Now, I'm not going to imply that he did this deliberately, but I am using it as an example of the ignorance of the adversary that's being demonstrated by the White House. The numbers 8 8 are very significant in neo Nazi and white supremacy movement. Why? Because the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And to them, the numbers 8 8 together stand for Heil Hitler. So we're going to be raising the flag back up uh, at dusk on 8 8. No one's thinking about this. No one's no one's giving him the advice. No one's thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I. That is true. No one, sir. You are correct. No one is thinking about this. No I one. I should say about- when Carter played this earlier, I laughed uncontrollably. We had to stop it almost. I I because this is just yeah, it's just insane. Eight eight. What do you look? Why he could? He, why not read Chicken Bones? The Chicken right. Bones tell me. <laughs> so actually, interestingly enough, the the part of that clip I didn't play right before that. He he was concerned. One of the he, he was talking about how wow you got language. It's very subtle to hear the dog whistles. You got to be you got to be an expert to really be able to parse the language. But he's an expert, and one of the things that he noticed was oh Trump used passive language when he was condemning these. He said. The nation uh, is against hate and white supremacy, not I'm against these things. The nation is. And that's just a true statement. The nation is. He's, you know, that's something that the white nationalists and the and the racists, they noticed that he didn't condemn it himself. He just said the nation condemns it. And that's a big problem. And blah, blah, blah. He went on this rant about this. But of course, if you do like a two-second Google search or DuckDuckGo search, you see that, what did, what did he say later that day? This is a quote from Trump. I am concerned about the rise of any group of hate. I don't like it. Any group of hate, whether it's white supremacy, whether it's any other kind of supremacy. <laughs> I'm very concerned about it. So he does use I language. It's just, he didn't use it in the moment that this guy wanted to pick on and use as his you know, launching point for weird numerology tea leaf reading. You know, I'm surprised he didn't whip out some tarot cards. <sighs> The other, well, the funny thing is, if you're going to start reading into all that kind of stuff, and you're right, they absolutely just ignore, like we said before with the Charlottesville thing, they will ignore his statements, even when his statements explicitly are the opposite of what they're trying to say. They'll right, do which, like, like, he would just say blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he has said those things. Where yes, are you? He says it repeatedly. It doesn't matter. They don't live in the real world anymore. I had someone tell me the other day, looking at that sentence where he said, I'm not talking about white nationalists. And literally this friend is like, but he's, but he is. I'm like, what, 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 what do you, what do you, but that's, right. not, 
What do you? I can divine what's going on in his head. Words mean things. Words mean things. And if 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 all of the people who vote for him are secretly white nationalists, and he's a secret white nationalist, then why the secrecy? Anyway, and 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 there's white supremacists, any type of racist, any type of bigot who thinks they're superior. Um, being quiet about it is not really their strong suit. No. Like, so like <laughs> you're not like, I'm secretly superior, guys. <laughs> but don't right. tell anyone. And I'm going to say the opposite in public. I'm going to be like, white supremacy sucks. <laughs> but it's really, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, um, by the way, so we now have a, a winner for the highest super chat. This is, a, I didn't think we'd get any super chats today. This is great. Andrew Thompson just threw 20 bucks at us in super chat and says, <laughs> I think a little bit sarcastically, the news skews reality. You don't say. <laughs> oh, thank um, you, Andrew. <laughs> yes. And he also points to noagendashow.com. Uh, which I don't know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check it out. And he says the news is determined to start a civil war, war that would help them make money. So here's where I disagree with this a little bit. Uh, although I, I agree with the sentiment, um, I don't think the left's plan is to have an actual civil war where, like, we march on Washington and you know fight each other. Like, they their plan is to have a soft coup and take over the government. If there is any kind of war, it will be um, factional. It will be like parts of the country will try and maybe if we're lucky, a state will try and secede or resist or something. But I don't think their plan is to actually have a, a civil war in the traditional sense of a civil war. Their plan is to soft coup take over. They love the violence and the unrest because that's all fun. And that helps that get them to, um, that helps get them, you know, how do you get the communists in control? Or how do you get authoritarians? And how do you get uh, the oligarchy that you want to be a part of if you're in the cathedral, well, you got to get people upset and that's when they're willing to give up their freedoms. They're willing to say like, oh, this is too much violence. Take my guns or this is, you know, whatever it is. By the way, yeah. I agree with Andrew though. He says, no, not the left card or the news media. The news media loves war. That's oh, true. Yes, the left does not sure. love yeah. war. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, yes, they do. And yeah. the left is not like, a lot of times we're not talking about the same thing. These words are, have become confused. So, I look at the left, I'm on the left. I don't understand why there aren't more people on the left, on my side, side, who are speaking out against this. Like you should be speaking out against people going to Mitch McConnell's house and threatening him. You should be speaking out against um, reporters or journalists or talking heads or whatever these people consider themselves. You should be speaking out against them trying to, um, lay the groundwork for violence against people on the right, right? Like you should be doing that because you would want them to do it for you. You would want the other side to do that, right? Like where are the people on the left saying, no, this is, that's, that's too far. What do you, this is, don't do this in my name. Don't do this. This doesn't represent the left, right? And so. Yeah, I, I, I think you and I disagree on this part a little bit. Um, and by the way, I, I guess before we even, I mentioned that just the civil war thing for a sec. I don't think there's much of a difference between the left and the media. So I don't actually don't think the left wants a civil war either. I don't think the media wants a civil war. I don't think anyone in the cathedral wants a civil war. They want unrest because that sells. They want violence. They want that kind of stuff. They want external wars and they want a soft coup where they end up in control uh, of the U.S. Like, I, I don't think they actually want a, a dividing line, you know, the Mississippi and we fight each other or something. That's not where it would be. Um, 
but I do think they're they're not opposed to like a lot of internal rest and balkanization. Uh, with the thing on the left, with the thing the the thing that you said about the left, I do agree that we are sloppy with language, and this is why. I don't like talking about politics directly, Carrie, and I like talking about philosophy instead, because, you know, I, I said this on the the show that we <laughs> is didn't record, right? But that the extreme left and the extreme right are the same thing. Like it, you, you, you know, you go Hitler, Stalin. They like you go around in a circle. Like Hitler and Stalin are here. You go left and right, or right and left, right? You Hitler and Stalin are right next to each other. It if. Do I care whether I die in a, you know, a gulag in the Soviet Union or by by Hitler's hand? Like, not really. I'm dead anyway. So it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. yeah authoritarianism is 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 bad in both but, directions. But here's the, here's left the problem. Is kind of a weird thing to talk about. Well, okay. So I somebody just just said to me the other day who had started watching the podcast and was like. Um, you know, you're really into politics. And I'm like, no, I'm not really into politics at all. <laughs> like, it's a, I, I get that we have to talk about politics, but it, that's not really, I mean, it's more about philosophy. Wouldn't you say? Like, that's what. Yeah, well, that's, so that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, um, from my perspective, and again, you and I may disagree on this, but there's something kind of refreshing about what's happening right now from my perspective, which is the left, to me, the left has always been about violence. They have just done it through the state. They've, they've done it one step removed. So they've been like, oh, we don't want to shoot you. We want to give the, we want to vote for people who will shoot you, right? And now it's like, well, we just want to shoot you. I'm like, at least that's more honest. Um, but, you know, from from my perspective, this is really a philosophy discussion. And, and it really, this is why they don't want us talking about, this is why, Carrie, I know you've said like people are like nihilism or like collectivism. Why are you talking about this? Yeah. Crap? Nothing well, so, to do with so blah, blah, right? They think, okay, so when I have discussions like this, sometimes online, um, it's like there are a series of steps that have to happen in your thought before you have to figure this one thing out first, right? And once you figure that out, or you once you see this thing, then you can see the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And sometimes if we're just talking over here about nihilism or Marxism or what, then people, people who haven't gotten to that first step yet, um, and this isn't about intellect. It, it, some very no, smart people it's haven't. Context of knowledge, not intellect. Right, of knowledge, right. Okay, so, so, so sometimes if we're just talking about this step here and that person hasn't made all those steps yet, then they're like, you sound crazy. <laughs> like right because because to them they're so if you're not if you're not being taught to think systemically and understand the root causes of things and really think really philosophy drives all of this uh, at the end of the day which I know sounds like a sweeping statement but you know philosophy is beliefs and you know philosophy includes beliefs in what's right and wrong morally T to think that doesn't have a profound impact on everything you do uh, is naive but you know, these people, I think they're looking at it. They're saying, well, come on, Carrie, we're talking about like reducing gun violence. What are you talking about nihilism for? What are you talking about collectivism? This is, you know, we're talking about AK-47s or AR-15s and, and people shooting in theaters. This is a, let's just practically roll up our sleeves and solve this problem. Stop yeah, talking about philosophy stuff. They what don't do want to think about idea. And here's what's crazy. Um, we, we uh, what was that quote we mentioned the other day? Stop the Stalin quote. It's like, we would not, we would not give them guns. Why would we give them ideas? And, right. the, and and there's another quote. Ah, I thought of it earlier when we were the talking. Jordan Peterson one you thought of earlier. Oh, the Jordan. Yeah. So Jordan Peterson's always 
talking about this Carl Jung quote, um, which is people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. Ideas have people. And they're yes. not allowed to examine what ideas have them. They, yes. This isn't about ideas that have me. This is about taking your gut, you know, gut. they look at like this very small, um, like what they think of as a practical thing. Right. And they don't, they're not able to see, it's like the, it's like the iceberg, right? They're not able to see the iceberg underneath the surface. The thing that's pushing this, the thing that's pushing this one practical point. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to use a pop culture analogy. Have you, <laughs> have you seen the Amazon show? Good omens. No. Ah, damn it. Maybe someone in the chat has seen it. Uh, I'm going to explain it anyway, because I like Isn't the Neil Gaiman associated with that. He is. Uh, I know. He's a douche. He's, I know. I know. <laughs> but he, right. he writes really good stuff. He's very talented. Um, He's very talented. Yes. Yes. So um, in, in the show, there's the, there's a, the Antichrist is in the show. He's this kid. He doesn't know he's the Antichrist. And there's this um, uh, occultist, witch person who can see auras of people. And she's trying to find the Antichrist. She's the, like one of the quote good people. She's trying to like find the Antichrist to stop the end of the world. And she's friends with this kid. He lives down the street. And she's talking to him one day about, oh, I can see auras around people. And she says, and he says, well, can, can you see mine? Right? And you're thinking as, a, as the audience member, oh, this is the point. She's going to see his aura and, and she's going to find out he's the Antichrist. And she looks and she's like, I can't see anything. I don't know why. I, you know, I guess, you know, it's more of an art than a science, blah, blah, blah. But then the narrator explains the reason that she can't see his aura is the same reason that people in Times Square can't see America, right? Yeah, and they, they zoom out and his aura was like over all of Europe or wherever, <laughs> wherever they were, right? And so it's, it's, it's like that with, with this, a lot of this kind of stuff. Philosophy is the much bigger picture that's driving all of this. And if you haven't zoomed out, you wonder like, what the hell is everyone talking about? Why are we talking about collectivism? Why are we talking about nihilism? The reason is those are the things that eventually manifest in the ways that we're seeing. And we're trying to actually solve the root problem. And Carrie, it's also the reason why they, I think people have been discouraged from paying attention to philosophy, right? The, the, the cathedral has been saying for decades, Oh, don't, don't pay attention to philosophy. Philosophers are, philosophers are silly. You know, they're going to wear some tweed jackets and sit around debating the existence of the ceiling. It, it's, philosophy is just for fun. It doesn't have any practical value. Don't worry about philosophy. Go well, to your thing. They, we got philosophy, philosophy covered. Don't you guys worry. No, right? but they also corrupted philosophy. So people, of course, when, of course when I was did. in school, yeah, philosophy is now associated with this ideology. Philosophy, yes. philosophy is now postmodernism bullshit. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, we're supposed to not say. No, 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 that, that's okay. No, I, by the way, everyone carries four first. That's a win for me. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. So they, they, they don't want anyone looking at philosophy precisely because they've taken it over and, and they know the results. So part of this is like, don't bother paying attention to philosophy. Stop talking about this kind of stuff because it doesn't really matter, right? Don't worry about it. But when in fact it does matter very much, and this is why this is why all the whole cathedral can act like this. MSNBC can behave in this way, not because they're coordinating. There's no like master plan that they're you know they're not having secret phone calls to coordinate stuff. I don't believe. Uh, it's just that 
They've all been indoctrinated in the same kind of way. Of course, they're going to think the same way. Of course, they're going to do the same things. Of course, they're going to have the same lens through which to view the world. Of course, they're going to agree with each other. They've created academia as one giant echo chamber. And like, and that marches out into the world as part of the media and, and other industries. And that's the cathedral is a giant kind of echo chamber where they all just kind of agree with this. And they scoff at anyone who says, Hey, let's talk, let's talk about philosophy. Let's talk about morals. Hey, can we talk about the difference between collectivism and individualism? Cause those are very important philosophical concepts and like, no, 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 no. We have to talk about gun control. Yeah. Sorry. That was a weird rant. Somebody told me I need to put a quarter in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need to put a quarter in the jar. Oh, I know who said that. Hello. Yeah, Mara. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So we're kind of, we're kind of, rambling now and we don't have the benefit of editing this like a daily like a normal daily cafefe so That's where okay. are we at now in chat. they okay. can tell us what to do they can tell us what um, to do. can we talk about carrie can we bring it back to what we were talking about earlier in the context of all of this vilifying people who are on the other side calling everyone nazis calling everyone white supremacists saying that trump is supporting extermination of latinos using numerology to argue that you know trump is at best uh a a stooge for actual nazis <laughs> like trying to push heil hitler it's stuff. so it's so ridiculous right. and by the way what they're doing is they are when i wrote i wrote my first essay about leaving my belief system behind a, a little over two years ago and one of the things I was talking about in the essay was I saw like after the election, after the 2016 election, my side just kind of went way overboard crazy um, and, and started dehumanizing everyone on the right and, and everyone on the right, everyone who voted for Trump, everyone who didn't vote for Trump, the, just this entire group of people, 63 million and more calling them Nazis, um, laying the foundation for making it okay. I mean, it started during the election with deplorables and stuff like that, but after Trump won, then it just got kicked up into overdrive, calling them all racist. That's a dehumanizing thing to say about someone if they're not actually, and they don't hold racist beliefs because, because and, and the reason it works is because we're not a racist country for the most part, not anymore. Like you want to talk, people want to talk about his, they want to pretend like we're still living in the past and we're not. And it's almost like they want to recreate that. They want us to be a racist country. But so the reason that works as an insult is because people are not, if you call someone a racist and they're not a racist, it's like the worst thing you can call them. One of the worst they things. They are racist though. They're just like, yeah. Yeah. And if they're racist, they're like, yeah, I am. And I'm again, there are no secret white supremacists that I, white supremacists are like, like that's kind of their thing is to say they're they're the best. <laughs> they're the people who tattoo swastikas on their foreheads. Right. So anyway, to they they call them all racist. They call them all Nazis. It's a way of dehumanizing them so that then it's okay to target those people with violence. And so this is what started waking me up because, you know, I started watching videos of people on the left, people who are presumably on my side. I hate this whole sides thing, but people on my side attacking Trump supporters and and. I was like, it, it's only going to get worse. That's that's what occurred to me after the election was this is going to get worse. And this is what we're seeing. You've got people like Mika or whoever, Joe Scarborough up there. Um, they're, they're laying the groundwork for make people feeling like it's okay to be violent against these people. Well, because they're Nazis. I mean, you and I don't, I don't, I don't support violence. I, I believe in the principle of non-aggression, like violence only as self-defense. 
Right. But for a lot of people, it's like they believe it's okay to it's justified to be violent towards a Nazi. Well, this is one of the reasons why and, principles matter, right? Because yeah. it's not justified to be violent against a Nazi if they're just talking about being a Nazi, right? If they're not yeah. doing anything, if they're not initiating force, it's it's fine to and proper to vilify them and you can call them names and point out how horrible they are. But the initiation of force is a principle. And when you don't stand by that principle and you are willing to say, well, it's okay to punch a Nazi, it's okay to hit a Nazi over the head with a brick. Well, suddenly the people who wish violence upon people, you just gave them the key to the kingdom because you've just told them if you label Nazi, then we'll allow violence. Yeah, oh, okay. then it's okay. That's the label I need? Great. I'll just start calling everyone a Nazi. And suddenly you've opened up Pandora's box. That's why principles matter. Yeah, there are people who on online who, um, even as recently as last week, people I'm still friends with on social media, who I see posting all this stuff in all caps. They're, they're easily, they're we, like we've talked about, they're like puppets. They're watching all this crap on the news. And then they're going out and speaking this nonsense they're speaking the idea has them right and they're and they're typing in all caps if at this point you support this you know trump is a racist and if at this point you support this president then you are a racist and right. and they're saying these things that are illogical and which are which are lies and they're but they're speaking it in all caps that's my favorite oh the all caps convinced me i wasn't i was oh. on the fence <laughs> keep in mind right these people though are they're watching you know Joe Scarborough and, and Mika Brzezinski. So they're getting their, you know, they're seeing people that they assume are objective and level-headed telling them that the president is signaling to actual Nazis through his choice of August 8th as the day to raise flags back up after a massacre. So, I mean, they're seeing this stuff. And, and, and what I think is happening is you know, you mentioned Hillary Clinton calling Trump supporters deplorables. Now, deplorables is a bad thing. It's, it's, it is dehumanizing, but it's nothing like what we're seeing now. I mean, what we're seeing now is really, it's another order of magnitude bad. Yeah. I'd rather be called a deplorable than an actual Nazi, which is what's happening. So, you know, you, I think what you had was you had Hillary assumed, look, they all assumed she was going to win. The whole cathedral assumed Hillary was going to win. And so her calling people a Nazi was just kind of an arrogant, entitled, condescending thing. Not a Nazi, sorry, deplorables. Her saying they're deplorables was just kind of like, you know, it's like a bourgeois thing to say about the stupid proletariat. Yeah, they're just deplorables. Let them eat cake, right? That's, that's the attitude that Hillary had. But when she lost, uh, I mean, we coined a term for what happened. We didn't, but the other people coined a term for, for what happened when she lost Trump derangement syndrome. The, the cathedral lost its mind. It lost its mind. And I don't think, you know, people say this is the death. It's in the death throes. I've made that argument before. I actually don't think it's in the death throes. I think it's like a quarter. It's a cornered animal. It's, it's in it's fight or flight has triggered and it's in fight and it's just, it's attacking the left. is just attacking everything. The whole cathedral is just it's attacking each other. Right. It doesn't matter. It's in a frenzy attacking, attacking, attacking because it's freaked out that Trump won and it's in a corner and it's worried that Trump's going to win again. And I think if Trump does win again, uh, I think this is just going to step up another order of magnitude because they kind of thought they had this in the bag. Their, their soft coup, their long march to ultimate some form of Marxism was 
kind of being wrapped up, right? They had Obama, Hillary was going to come in next, going to have eight years of Hillary. She'll sweep this stuff under the rug. The media, any kind of lying or, or dishonesty they did or credibility they were losing, Hillary would help fix that, right? But now Trump is destroying their credibility. He's calling them out for what they're doing. And the media is freaking out because uh, what they really need is another Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden or someone to get into office who will call on Jim Acosta and kick Breitbart out of the room and lend credibility back to the legacy media because they need that. They're realizing like, I think the, the phrase you used before, Carrie, was it's like the emperor's new clothes. They're realizing they've been found out and like, well, oh my God, people found us them. out. We have to fix this. We have to fix it. And the they don't only- like that people can see through them. Like that guy, yeah. Mika and Joe, like whatever, those people sitting up there, they're, it's, it's, it's comedy. It's not- yeah. It's not real. There's nothing real about it. What's real about it is the propaganda they're trying to feed you. And what's real about it is that some people are still eating that stuff. But for the most part, I think one thing Trump has done uh, that I think is a positive thing, and it, it I don't think he consciously did this, but he's... It, see, I was talking about this with someone the other day. He, to me, he's not, like you said this before, he's not all that different from other politicians, except he's so ridiculously over the top and he's so uh uncouth and you know rude and all that all he is is an exaggeration so he allows you to see how fake it's been all along it's been a circus all along right it's a circus he just he just pulls back the veil unless you see that mm-hmm. and and the same thing with the media he's he's made it obvious he, it's the scales have fallen from my eyes about the media that's for sure how full of it they are so, yeah, no. And, and I think that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of they need this repaired. And one way to repair it, perhaps one of the only ways is to get control of the state back so that the state can lend credibility back to the mainstream media somehow. It, and the cat may be out of the bag at this point, but I think that that's still their kind of hope is that all this kind of crazy crazy conspiracy theory, Marussia stuff, all this can get swept under the rug. We can ignore the fact that, you know, the things that were said were outright lies and agitprop. And what we can do instead is kind of go back to falling in line and the cathedrals back in, in power. And, you know, I think that's what they're really, really hoping for. And Carrie, what we didn't mention was with all of this context, of course, now people are going to then use this language, use this, we'll use a social justice term, use othering of the of the other side, right? In order to uh, incite violence and, yeah. and intimidate people. And the most obvious example in the last couple of days is Julian Castro. Julian Castro, presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, released a doxed 44 people who supported President Trump and release their names, and in some cases, their place of business. Now, why did he do that? Well, he did it because at the very least, he wants those people to feel a hell of a lot of social pressure. You could argue that worse than that, he wants actual consequences to their businesses, maybe even violence. I mean, if you wanna go down that path of, they're all Nazis, here are some Nazis, it's okay to punch a Nazi, well, what are you asking for then, right? Will you show this list? Do you still have it? You know, I I don't want to show it, Carrie, because I don't want to put the names up. Oh, 
Well, um, it's out there anyway, but I it, okay. I can he show literally, it. yeah, show what he did. He he took and by the way, I was joking with Carter, I already forgot who Julian Castro was, but now I know because he did this. <laughs> it's like getting his name out there. But yeah, he he took these are average American citizens, just random these are civilians. And he's put their and he and he's basically put their names and then like their business or homemaker or whatever they are, so people can go and dox these people, threaten these people. The point of it is to inspire fear. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. So here's here's the list. Um, and he he just put these out, you know, names. Some of them are retired, some of them are homemaker or whatever, but some of them here's where they work, right? Um, so Who's funding Trump? These are 44 San Antonio. So you know they're in San Antonio. He's, this is a local community thing. Hey, these four, four, 44 San Antonio donors contributed the most allowable by federal law, which, by the way, is not much. But uh, These are just civilians. And this isn't the first time they've targeted and docked civilians. I mean, the media has gone to people's homes with cameras. Like, right. Did you start a Facebook group, blah, 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 like putting people out there in this way, knowing, knowing that they're inviting violence against these people? And they know it, right? They're Nazis. It's okay to punch and attack a Nazi. Uh, here's their names. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hesitate to say this because I do, I do want to wait and see who's running. I don't know who's running yet. So, but I, I will say this stuff makes me so upset and angry and I want to stand with those people, with people like that. Like it makes me want to vote for him so that like my name is on there like Carrie. <laughs> and then, and then, but my profession would be like, I dare you. Like you just, <laughs> like <laughs> Carrie. Well, Starter. I, I don't know. I it just, it, it, it's bullying. It's, it's intimidating. These are the, it's, it's thuggery. Like these are the actions of totalitarians, thugs, people that want to control you, tell you who you can and can't vote for intimidate you from supporting the politician you like yeah it's exactly what it is and it's something i mentioned um earlier but i i'm compelled to mention it again uh is this is i get why a lot of people vote for things or support policies that in the short term seem to solve some silly problem and but the problem is if you don't look at the broader picture, you don't look at philosophy, you don't look at human nature, you don't ask yourself, what are the consequences of this? Uh, you end up with a lot of unintended consequences. And I'll cite campaign contribution laws, right? People, people argue, well, we should have maximum amounts, we should have transparency about who donates to a candidate. And that all sounds nice, right? Because, and, and I know why it is, um, but, this is what it results in. It means if we are, if we know who donates to candidates, well, then you can be targeted for supporting a candidate. Now, wh what what can that do? Well, it means that violence, intimidation, and threats can be used to sway political action because you don't want to donate because then you'll be exposed and blah, blah blah, and that so that has an effect on politics. And you know, I get the sentiment behind these things, and which my understanding is look, we're worried about large corporations and, and wealthy oligarchs controlling the government. There's a revolving door between regulators and, and lawmakers and, and large corporations often, and people are worried about that, and, and I get that. But 
there's the only way to solve that is to take away the power of the government that's being purchased because the market is, look, the market's creative. <laughs> if the government has the power, if a regulator or a lawmaker has the power to punish my enemy and reward me, we'll figure out some way. I'm not personally, I'm just saying like business people, they'll figure out some way to make sure that politician knows which side his bread is buttered on, right? We'll, we'll make sure whether it's a direct contribution or whatever else, there's, there's a huge pressure to buy politicians only because politicians have the power of the gun because they can point the gun at my competitor because they can steal your tax money and give it to me. Whatever it is, they have this power. The only way to actually get rid of that corruption is to remove the power because look, corporations aren't going to spend a lot of money buying politicians if politicians can't do anything for them. If the politician's like, you know what? we your industry is unregulated. We can't do anything. There's nothing I can do for you. I have no power. I can't, I can't sanction your competitor. I can't give you this huge contract. Government's not spending a lot of money. Government's not regulating all these things. Then why would I buy a politician? The, the way to solve it is to stop the demand for it. And you do that by removing the power. But of course, no one wants to have that conversation. Instead, they look at this as like, it's a given that, that, politicians have unlimited power to do anything. And we're going to try and solve the problem somehow by making it illegal to bribe them, which sure it's illegal, but people will find ways to do all this. Just like, you know, making cocaine illegal doesn't mean no one does cocaine. It means an entire industry erupts growing, transporting and selling cocaine with violence and its own rules and its own, you know, <laughs> infrastructure. That's what happens. I have, I want to show this. This is new. We, we didn't go yeah. over this before. Um, yeah, show it. This article that a friend tagged me in, um, which I think is just insane. I saw the headline, what if they're not coming for the Jews this time? And I saw this picture here with the little Trump. And then, and then I thought, oh, I immediately I thought, what's actually happening. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an article about how they're coming for the Trump voters. You missed <laughs> they're the coming. by David Frum, I think. I know. I did not look at, but, but, but I assumed what is actually happening, which is they are coming for the Trump voters. They are coming for the unwoke. They are coming for the anti-SJWs. They are coming for the Christians. They are coming for um, uh, anyone who just is not on board with this belief system. And then I read the article and it was just, it was just the same cathedral narrative nonsense. It was an article about like, what if they're coming for people of color and women and the marginalized? What are you talking about? No, right. <laughs> that's the cover that they are using to come for the Trump voters, for the un-PC, for anyone who, like I got called a Trumpette on Twitter yesterday by some guy who, they, they, they view things in such simple, like simple, like childlike, black and white. If, if I am not for a, then I must be for B, right? Like you must be a trumpet because I said, I, I couldn't vote for Bernie again in 2020. I voted for him in 2016. Well, you must be a trumpet. Well, no, I'm not a trumpet, but you, but you're going to lump me in there anyway. You're, you're going to put us all in there anyway. Like this is a failure to be able to think in terms of principles and ideas and instead think in terms of personalities or like, which team do you support? Oh, 
you're on that team or that team. No, these aren't, these aren't teams. I don't support a guy or a girl. I, you know, excuse me, feminists, a woman with the Y. I don't, I don't support, you know, it's not, I'm, it's not this person that I'm supporting. It's not Elon Omar. I dislike, I probably wouldn't like hanging out with her. It's her ideas, right? It's, it's the ideas. It's an idea discussion, which yeah. If you don't make it about ideas, you lose all nuance because then it's just like, oh, you support Trump? What about this bad thing he did? It's like, yeah, of course he's done bad things. Everyone does bad things. He might have done more bad things than most people. Who cares? That's not the conversation. It's a conversation about ideas. And they don't want it to be because in their mentality, it's it's a conversation about who will be our rulers. And there's no room for the discussion of like, how about we have no rulers? How about at best we have some rules? based on some principles, but not rulers. But they're they're very focused on who's going to be our ruler. And you can see it in the Democratic Party. You can see how they're approaching the presidency. Out of one side of their mouth, they're like, Trump's a tyrant, Trump's a tyrant, blah, 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 blah. When I'm elected, if Congress doesn't do what I want, I'll just use the executive orders to do anything I want. Like, that's tyranny. Yeah. So, look, that you just said something which made me think of talking about ideas again and it being about ideas and not people. Um, this book that I've mentioned before, the love your enemies book by Arthur C. Brooks. Uh, Mm. this is, and this is a quote I did not read earlier. He's talking about, uh, this breakdown that's been happening. That's happened in society, this extreme polarization that we have, but he says, uh, when the moral consensus to build a society that serves everyone collapses, then the means to reach that former consensus start to crash, crash into each other head on. Um, they become the ends in themselves untethered to any moral principles and the two sides start to try start trying to win by any means necessary when each side attacks the other as in a holy war when leaders question the motives of the other side rather than their ideas and pit americans against each other then the moral consensus has shattered and there's nothing around which a true competition of ideas can radiate um he also has said can you read the beginning of that again sorry can you read the beginning again because i want to i think i missed something about the beginning the first few words the first few sentences he says when the moral consensus to build a society that serves everyone collapses then the means to reach that former consensus start to crash into each other head on He's okay. sort of, he's talking That's about weird, how, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what a society well, it, it's related to the earlier chapter, but he's basically, okay. He's talking about a world in which I know you believe doesn't exist anymore, but he says we need leaders who while holding on to their own opinions, tolerate others because they recognize that iron sharpens iron ideologically, that diversity in all forms is where our strength and unity are to be found. Uh, I'm skipping ahead here. You need to be grateful for the other side just as you should be grateful for having more than one team in your favorite sports league. Like it, you, you've got to have another team to play and hopefully they're a good team so that your team, so that it's an exciting game to watch and your team gets better. Like we need the other side. He's like, if you don't want to live in a one party state, then like it or not, you just told me that you're grateful for the other party. And so at the end, he kind of, he, he calls people to, he says, uh, There's a special pride that comes from fighting for the right of all sides to hold and express their ideas. We have disdain for the one party dictatorships around the world. We make fun of fake elections in places like Cuba. There's a special bond among among Americans who stand up for one another when they disagree. Have you done that recently? If not, then you're missing out on a great source of joy. If you're still not convinced, try the following and see how it makes you feel. Defend someone with whom you disagree simply because he or she has the right to an opinion and the right to be heard. You don't have to agree with them. 
just defend their right to have their opinion. And, and he says, you know, your heart will be on fire when you do this. That's because it's morally right. And your heart knows it. And I, I think that's just such a, that's what I meant about the left, the left, my side needs to be standing up and saying, stop this. Like you don't go to someone's house and threaten them because you disagree with their ideas. Well, this is why I think, but this is why I think philosophy matters. Right. Um, I, I, so I think, I think I mentioned this before, Carrie, but it's worth saying, you know, in front of everyone, um, the he's, first of all, he's presupposing something that's extremely Western in its view. Right. And this is something we learned from talking to Dr. Rachel Fulton Brown about this, that the concept of um, being introspective and criticizing your own culture and like wanting to have this iron sharpening iron thing and, in kind of respecting the individual rights and free speech and that kind of stuff and, and wanting not one party state, but two, two or more and, and conflicting ideas and really and honing that that's uniquely Western. It's not, that's not something the rest of the world wants. There are plenty of places in the world where people do want a one party state. Um, look at most countries run by uh, large Muslim populations. Like the, the idea that we need to have intellectual discourse in a free and open uh, arena where people have freedom of speech and violence is, is banned uh, from from this from the you know public arena, uh, that's not that's not a universally held moral belief. It's a Western belief, and what's happening now is I feel like this book is a few decades too old because what's happening now is it's not that we're having a fight. We're kind of having an internal fight, but the struggle really isn't between these two sides trying to sharpen their weapons or not sharpening their weapons. There's an entire philosophy, which is, no, no, no. We, we reject all of this individualism. We reject the idea of free speech. We reject the, the idea that we should sharpen our, our intellects with each other and, and, and people should be allowed to, to speak. That's just, it's, it's a rejection. I agree. So my one criticism with this book is this, and, and it is, it, I think it's exactly what you're getting at. He, um, I, th I think he doesn't, either he doesn't realize or he's ignoring the fact that my old ideology does not believe in any of this. My, my old, yeah, they don't, they don't think that we, they do want a one party state. So right. he's appealing to who we, who, where we come from, he's, a, he's appealing to our better nature and, and what America was founded on. And they don't, they don't want that anymore, but there are people who do, there are people, liberals, people on the left, people who, who I think this book is great for, but, but you're right. It's kind of ignoring the fact that my old belief system doesn't believe in any of this anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and, and like, again, you don't want a one party state, do you? And they're like, yeah, we do. <laughs> right. And, and I would argue that a lot of the political distinctions we make between left and right and liberal and conservative um, really, first of all, they're sloppy because we don't really know what those mean to a large extent anymore. And second of all, they're not actually capturing the essence of what really matters. They're political. They're, it's describing politics without describing philosophy. And, you know, ultimately, this is a battle between collectivism and individualism. Fundamentally, I mean, you could go even deeper than that, but let's stop there. Right? At, at least at some level, philosophically, it's a, it's a battle between collectivism and individualism. And there's lots of stuff on both the right and the left 
that mixes collectivism in with what they're preaching. Even, even a lot of people who would be classically liberal or a lot of people who consider themselves conservative, they, they mix collectivist ideology in with individualism. And I think as, as tensions rise and as the pot heats up a little bit, what's going to happen is the people who are going to matter are, and, and I think this is generally true throughout history, the people who are going to matter, it's not the people in the middle who are trying to be pragmatists and mix stuff up. It's going to be the people pushing more, we'll say, pure ideas, like people saying, no, collectivism is the way to go, or no, individualism is the way to go. And you can you can be a part of either, you can be in either of those spheres without adopting the whole, you know, adopting that principle consistently. But it's it's your inconsistency. It's not that the principle is wrong. It's that you're just inconsistently adopting it. And and a lot of people can live with that inconsistency. I can't. Um, but a lot of people are fine with it, partially because they just don't think that deeply about it, and that's okay. But fundamentally, this is the battle. This is where the battle lines are really need to be drawn. It's collectivism versus uh, versus individualism. And my fear actually is that the individualist movement is small enough that the battle is going to turn into what the cathedral wants it to be, which is this version of collectivism or that version of collectivism. And this is what you're talking about when you're saying they're building white nationalists on this side because they're, they're, they're painting this boogeyman that doesn't exist. Well, it's going to start to exist because yes, people are like, well, collectivism is, is unquestioned. These people over here have their own version of collectivism in which you're the villain. Well, a lot of tribalist thinkers who aren't thinking very deep are going to say, well, I don't want collectivism in which I'm the villain. I'll take collectivism in which I'm the supreme race. And like that, yeah. and that's, and that's the battle that I am afraid of because that's uh, exactly either one of those outcomes is good for anyone. I've, and I've, I thought of like, so, so, you know, that the whole, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So when Trump was elected, then I saw this like crazy reaction on the left, but, but I think, I think what I'm, what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid of them growing the boogeyman that they want. Yes. I'm afraid of that coming down the pipe, but I'm also afraid of what we are, what we are. I'm more afraid of the left because it is a greater threat at this moment. The authoritarianism on the left, the collectivism on the left is a much greater threat. Yeah, yes. it's it's baked into this cathedral. It's, it's the media. It's academia. It's mainstream culture right now. It's the politicians. It's my whole friggin' party. The Democratic Party has been consumed by it, um, and so that that is a much more um, looming existential threat. And I'm afraid of what ordinary people will be okay with and what they will allow as a reaction to Trump, as a reaction to this boogeyman that's starting to grow on the right. And yeah, it's totally. Um, overblown. No, no, I, I agree. It is overblown. And the real threat is from the left. Um, the only reason I'm calling out the concern there is I, a lot of people, I think there's a lot, a lot of people recognize the insanity that's happening with your former ideology, right? And what's going on in the left right, with the social justice movement. And they see it for the evil authoritarianism that it is. But I think what's important is as we, as we will say, coalesce into a, a mass of people who oppose this. It's important that we, I think it's important that we have voices in that mass. And I consider myself a quiet one of them because we don't have a lot of people that we're talking to, but 
that that remind everyone that like, look, it, collectivism is the evil part of this ideology. It's not their brand of collectivism that's the problem. It's collectivism as such. Yes, we should all oppose it, but let's not let the cancer get infected in this side because if it does, those of us who value individualism are just screwed and we're gonna end up in this, eventually we will end up in this world where it's a choice between Stalin and Hitler. Yeah. Um, well, people, I agree with people in the chat. They're talking about how, what a small percentage this part of the extreme left is. And I, I, I think I agree. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know numbers. I just know, I have a feeling it's, it's a very small percentage of the left, but the problem is what Gracie's saying, what embarrassing mom is saying, which is that they control the propaganda machine now, and they're the loud ones and they're, they're at the helm. So does it matter that it's 8% of the left if that 8% is what's driving everything? No, and, and in fact, I would say 8% is actually huge. I mean, the this is this may be insulting to a bunch of people and, you know, hell, I'm willing to throw myself in, in this category and take the insult uh, if it makes people feel better, but most of us don't matter. Uh, most of us don't matter. The middle doesn't matter. People who don't think deeply about this, they just don't matter. Most of us are just sheep. And strong enough leaders and strong enough ideas will come along. And, you know, in order to keep our comfort and, you know, day-to-day, -day, some semblance of day-to-day -day comfort and happiness, we'll just go along with whatever. That's how people like Hitler rise to power. Um, they People are like, oh, this is, you know, guy's kind of crazy, but whatever. You know, this is the thing that we believe now. Okay. Um, so it actually doesn't take many people. It takes a very small number of dedicated people who can work into positions of power and who can have massive influence on the population. The population doesn't have to agree with them. They just have to go along with it. And this is why, Carrie, when I say to you, when you're like, I'm still deciding on the Democratic ticket, who I should vote for. And, you know, I don't want to you, you've said you don't want to vote for the, anyone who supports the social justice ideology overtly. But you've cited like, well, maybe Tulsi. She doesn't seem to. I agree. She I like Tulsi. Right. But this is my argument against people like Tulsi. If you are not overtly standing against it on principle and speaking out, then you're in the category of one of these people who's just going to go along with whatever controls. And that, be, that makes you irrelevant. So even if Tulsi got elected, she would be nothing but a tool for the most ardent people in charge, whatever their ideology, and it, it will be the left. So because she doesn't have a backbone to stand up against this stuff, maybe because she believes it and is afraid to say, maybe because she hasn't thought about it, maybe she's just scared and she does disagree with it. Uh, also, she's a socialist on a whole bunch of levels, but that's an issue, separate issue. Um, she, she doesn't represent, none of the candidates on the Democratic ticket, none of them have said, hey, this social stu justice stuff needs to be fought. It is evil, it is racist, it is collectivist, and this is anti, it's anti-American in not in the tribalist sense, but in the in an ideological sense. No one is saying hasn't Yang spoken against it? No. no. Really? Okay. No. I don't no. know enough then. Well, I I my whole point is I don't think you should I don't want to pick someone this early, but if I don't think that there I don't think Yang or Tulsi or Marianne are gonna be the nominee anyway. So I don't think I'm going to have to, the cathedral's not going to let them be agree, the Carrie. <laughs> Yes. Huh? On that much, we agree. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I'm, I've reached that point. Uh, uh, there's a certain well, amount of, of, yes, there's a certain amount of time in which I think I can be articulate and express myself well. And I've, I hit my limit for the day. <laughs> so we're going to have to go.
By the way, I'm Carrie, you don't know about this, but I think this is going to happen. I'm actually, I think I'm going to be back live in an hour because uh, my friend wants to chat with me. Uh, Katrina from oh, cool. uh, S Misanthropy, and uh, she does the lunch stream with John uh, De La Rose and some other people. So we might roughly, it's not a set time, but roughly in an hour, we may go live again with just some random stuff. Not probably this stuff, but uh, so cool. yeah, stay around for that if you want. Carrie, I enjoyed talking to you. I'm sorry that we had to do this twice, but this was still a good discussion. Yes. You got to end it with the same song you did last time. We were joking earlier because every time I try to end on a positive note or something uplifting, then Carter wants to piss all over my parade. Yes. <laughs> yes. I get it. I got accused for being like uh, Debbie Downer or whatever the male equivalent of that is. Well, yeah, because the other day I was like, you guys, I tried to end it on positive. You guys are all welcome in Texas. You can hang out here. You're talking about a place to move. And Carter's like, Texas has already fallen. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I can't do it. So uh, <laughs> the only thing I could think of in the moment to make Carrie feel better was everyone is awesome. Everything, what is it? Everything, everything, everything is, is awesome. <laughs> uh, it made her smile. And I guess it's ending on a positive note. Everything is awesome. There you go. Sorry, I can't think. But uh, that's the happy note to end on. Thank you guys. By the way, thanks for the super chats. Super fun. Um, oh, that's super. Yeah, that's cool. Super chats are super cool. Thank super you. Chats are super fun. And uh, yeah, we will be back. Just a reminder, we've got uh, the Gina Gorlin interview. We've got, we'll release some more later this week. We'll be back with Deprogrammed next week and obviously back for Kofefi tomorrow and stick around in about an hour. And uh, one of my dearest friends, Katrina, will likely be on. And who knows what the hell we're talking about because we never really plan anything. So uh, there we go. Oh, uh, one quick thing. I noticed Andrew, who was talking about the No Agenda podcast. I, I definitely have to check that out. You're not the first person. My friend John's recommended it as well. I need to check that out. Yeah, I will. I, thank you for that recommendation because I also haven't checked it out, but I have heard about it before. Yeah, so. me too. He says Adam Curry lives here in Austin. But uh, earlier he said that they played a clip of Mika saying, you know, people were um, coming to their, were deciding what they thought about something. And, and she said, it's our job to tell them what to think. And I know yes, that- I remember that one. <laughs> I know that clip you're talking about because it's in the movie Hoaxed, the documentary Hoaxed. Um, if you guys haven't seen Hoaxed yet, you should watch it. It's great. I, I went in with not knowing what to expect and I was blown away and I maintain it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, and I, full disclosure, was not a fan of some of Cernovich's earlier documentaries. I just didn't, I didn't like the style or whatever that they were done in. But this one, uh, I think is it's probably should be required viewing in every high school. Yeah. It's amazing. So everything is awesome. <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks everyone. Um, and we will see you later. <laughs>